Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Hey everyone, this is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I am here at the RSA conference with Mark Albertson, um, senior writer at SiliconANGLE Media. Thanks for joining us today, Mark. Appreciate Thank having you. you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Good. So tell us a little bit about SiliconANGLE, um, sort of your approach, what you cover in your audience. We'll start there, and then we'll drill into it. Sure. Well, SiliconANGLE uh, has been around for a little over 10 years now. We're an independent uh, media firm. Uh, we have uh, basically three uh, channels that we operate from. One is a TV channel that streams uh, live events like this one here at RSA. We actually have a studio set up uh, downstairs uh, doing interviews and taping um, conversations with executives in the cybersecurity industry. Uh, we also, and that's called a Cube. We also have a new service called SiliconANGLE. Uh, where we publish stories uh, basically 24-7 on our website. Mm-hmm. And then we have a research arm called Wikibon. And uh, I write for both the news side, where SiliconANGLE, as well as our TV side, the Q. Excellent. And you've been covering this space for quite a while now, right? I have, yeah. 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 So how have you seen it um, evolve and change over time, especially with some of these new entities as part of your group? Well, for me, it's kind of, there's, there's something new every year. There's change, but there's also some things that stay the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing that uh, I and, and a lot of our colleagues in the media world have come to know who have covered this space for many years is that we come to RSA in February to see all the new technologies, the latest products, Mm -hmm. and then we go to Black Hat in August and watch the security researchers break them all. That's a good way to put it. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of a vicious cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, and then the whole process repeats a year later. I will say also, having covered this show for a long time, um, I was getting to the point, to be honest, a couple years ago where I was a little doubtful that RSA's place in the cyber universe was a good one. Uh, I don't know if you were here then, but um, some people remember the president of RSA came out and basically gave a, a talk about how wonderful things were, <laughs> sunshine and roses, and, and that's not, yeah. you know, that didn't go well. Yeah. So um, I think RSA heard some of that feedback uh-huh. and uh, got a little more realistic starting last year, and it's particularly noticeable this year. And what I would say was a key difference is that we're seeing the presence of more security researchers now. Okay. Giving talks, presenting a lot of the research, uh, really giving up-to-date latest threat, mm-hmm. and they've really dialed back the corporate pitches because that, okay. was, that was kind of a rubbing point, I think, and that culminated in, in 2018. So. It's a good show. Okay. I mean, um, I, I've got four full days of coverage. Yeah. I'm now on my third day, and I'm still standing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, got a full day tomorrow, and then uh, some uh-huh. good stories. So there we go. Yeah. So one thing I always wonder about: you must get so many um, emails and inquiries from companies, you know, trying to meet with you and and tell you about what they're working on and their latest stories and and their latest research. How do you differentiate? How do you handle that? How do you select who to meet with? Well, some of it is, you know, I'll recognize either the company or an executive who we might have interviewed on one of our TV programs or who I'd written about. Uh, And so I'll pay attention to those. 
also, because I cover this space very actively throughout the year, I'm, I, I try to stay up on who's doing the most original and cutting-edge research yeah. and what those subjects are. And so I'll, I'll kind of separate those out. And what I just described to you is maybe 5% yeah. <laughs> of what I get, because I get a tremendous amount yeah. of emails. Um, also, the, you know, part of the equation for me is coming into shows like this with a game plan. So while I, I know who the keynoters are going to be, and I can see the sessions, and I know who else is going to be at the show, I also try to uh, identify early on what the, I think some of the hot-button topics are going to be and focus on those. Because, as you know, with four days, full sessions, a lot of duplication, it's really hard to cover it all. Yeah. And so I pay particular attention to having a game plan coming in, knowing which sessions I'm going to cover, yeah. and then keeping my fingers crossed that it works out and I'm not, not left with an empty cupboard. So what are some of those hot topics for you this year that you're looking into? Well, I just filed a story this morning. It'll be up on SiliconANGLE Media maybe as yeah. we speak, um, where I thought it was very interesting to see the research talking about areas like uh, ransomware and the Mirai botnet. So in the case of ransomware, we're seeing a lot of dwell time. Hackers are not just smashing and grabbing or spraying and praying anymore. They're going in, they're, they're breaking into systems, and then they're staying around a while. Yeah. They're putting their feet up on the couch and you know, having a meal and kind of checking things out. What could be for days or weeks or months. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's a scary thing if you think about it because organizations as we speak are getting hacked and they don't know yeah, it. About it. Yeah. And then when it's least, you know, convenient, mm -hmm. they'll be hit. Um, the second part of this is the IoT side. You know, we've been hearing for years about how all these devices coming online are going to create a Armageddon, mm -hmm. you know, a real uh, cybersecurity issue. And, you know, we're seeing signs of that, although it's not especially critical yet. But there was some dialogue already this week that this is going to be an ongoing problem and it's only going to get worse. Uh, the Mirai botnet, which um, basically leveraged 100,000 IoT devices in 2016 to bring down uh, the DIN uh, uh, service, uh, that's going to, that's still alive and well, yeah. and it's going to only get stronger as more of these devices come online. Uh -huh. do you, so are you seeing a lot more companies trying to either do, have threat intelligence or research or, um, you know, have conversations with you about how they're trying to, to solve this problem or mitigate it at all? Some companies are more from the defensive standpoint. In other yeah. words, they're trying, you know, the problem with IoT is it's not built into many of these devices. Mm -hmm. You know, smart toasters and Barbie dolls. I mean, they're all internet connected, but they have no security. Yeah. The problem is at the router level. And so, what we're into now is a situation where companies who want to protect themselves have to start there first. Mm -hmm. Consumers who want to protect themselves have to start at the router level. Forget the other devices. Uh, that's science fiction in a lot of cases. No one's going to hack a refrigerator, but they're going to hack your router. Yeah. So, so that's, that's, I think, the big concern. Um, you know, the other thing that, that I'll mention uh, that struck me this week, uh, McAfee gave a very interesting presentation on Monday about deepfakes. Okay. And yeah, we've been hearing a lot more about that recently. I'm sure, yeah. yeah. And, and what's really chilling about it, uh, based on what they presented, was it's so realistic. Uh, you know, pictures of people, uh, videos of people, and even text, you know, the ability to create whole pages of writing 
that are completely fabricated, machine-driven, never written by a human, but you would believe it. Okay. And, and so that's, that's very troubling, especially in the light of what else is coming down the line, which, of course, is the 2020 presidential election yeah. here in this country. Yeah. So I always ask um, the reporters that we have on the podcast, what do they think is going to be one of the bigger stories of, of the year? And for 2020, do you think that's one of them? or what Absolutely. Do you think yeah, no, I really, I really do. In fact, uh, that's a story I'm working on this week. Uh, as it happens at the conference, most of the key sessions on that subject uh, start today, and then there's several okay. tomorrow. So uh, watch for my story maybe yeah. Friday if, no, uh, if it pans out. But, um, you know, the, the problem with it, and, 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 and it's a real issue in the industry right now because um, the government, I don't think, has really taken the proper steps working with industry to guard against this in, in, in the future. And the reason I say that is that there's been not one piece of legislation passed since 2016 affecting online advertising. So if you stop and think about that, it's basically now up to the industry, the Facebooks and the Twitters and others, to police themselves. That's a really tough ask. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, Facebook's maybe doing the best they can, but it's not been great, as we all know. So the scenario is really set. What also is troubling to me is yesterday at, at one of the keynotes, uh, Chris Krebs from the Department of Homeland Security was interviewed, and he was asked this question. And his answer was, well, you know, it's the voting machines are secure, we've got paper ballots, we're backed up, there won't be a problem. The problem with that answer is that it ignores the social media side. It ignores, ignores what has already been documented in terms of Russian manipulation yeah. of, of voter preferences. That's going to continue, and with deep fakes and, you know, the strength of Russian intelligence, uh, I can only imagine that's going to be worse this year than it was four years ago. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I imagine that to be the case as well. It's like, you know, the industry and technology is constantly evolving, and now with social media and, and deep fakes, I think we're going to see a big shift in, in that realm as well. Yeah, we're going to see it, and it's going to have ramifications yeah. for our country. Uh, uh, I interviewed, um, or we interviewed, I should say, uh, Judy Estrin, a longtime Silicon Valley uh, figure who... Um, you know, uh, basically uh, has a presentation that's titled, Oops, We Broke Democracy. Oh, you know, talking yeah. about, you know, the Facebook manipulation and social media. And that's the wrong way to go. We don't want to break democracy. Right, yeah. We don't want technology to be a part yeah. of that. But what's shocking to me is that uh, it's not as big a story as it should be. Yeah. And it's only going to be more significant when we're standing here maybe a year from now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. And it actually brings up one of the questions um, we had from a listener. Um, we do listener questions. And um, basically, like, so you've had, you know, a long career writing for audiences, like kind of broader audiences at the San Francisco Chronicle, and now writing for a more technical audience at Silicon Angle. How do you feel like security is being perceived sort of with the mainstream community and like consumers versus like the more tech-focused community? Yeah, I, I think... You know, it, well, it's, it's kind of uh, two different audiences. For the younger audience, I don't think they think about it hardly at all because to them it's sharing, it's openness. Yeah. It's, they're used to it. They're, yeah, they're used yeah. to it. They grew up with it. it. It's all part of the natural way of communicating and interacting. For those of us that are perhaps a little older, uh, we're concerned about it. So you've got, you've got that divide. A second element is we have yet to have the really cataclysmic event. 
we haven't had a whole, you know, country of major size have its power grid taken down. Right. We haven't had enormous economic disruption that cost real people real money. So other than the annoying hacks of things like Equifax yeah, and like, data breaches and things that are happening in that area, it hasn't reached the personal level yet and reached a, a, a point of pain where that's going to yeah. be a problem. I would offer that's only a matter of time. Yeah, we no, don't know what the clock is, but it's coming. Yeah, I remember the first time that I heard like the term ransomware on like local news, and it was like the and people are like, oh, what's that? It's like that you know your consumer audience like heard about it the first time. I think it was with um, some of the hospitals and the healthcare industry, and hearing that on the news, I was like, okay, this is kind of the, the beginning of you know it becoming more mainstream and the everyday person knowing kind of what that means. Yeah, very definitely. Now the other side, though, and I picked up some of this in the sessions I attended yesterday. Our government is very concerned about this. And I've noticed over the last several years at RSA, you know, a lot of times we'll get government officials, they'll read from a script, it's as unnewsworthy as anything I ever cover, I get nothing out of it. That's changed in the last couple of years, and I was really struck by some of the panels I attended yesterday, where we had people from the Department of Justice, from the Department of Homeland Security, from the State Department, yeah. And they were honest, and they were talking about the threats that they're seeing and what the government is trying to do uh -huh. about it. So that's a tell sign to me yeah. that they, you know, they can't disclose everything that's out there, but they see enough with nation-state hacking and where this is going uh -huh. to be very deeply concerned. Yeah, that's interesting insight um, that they kind of moved from that more, you know, talking point canned commentary to being a little bit more. Um, you know, candid about how they're feeling concerned. That's an interesting pivot, and I think that is telling. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't know if you heard the keynote this morning with a fellow from CrowdStrike, but he gave a very good breakdown of how, guess what? You know, it's not just North Korea, Russia, uh, China, and Iran anymore. Now we've got Pakistan diving in, and Vietnam is getting active. I mean, so what we're starting to see now is a, yeah. a spread of nation-state threats yeah. that are happening out there. Uh, I couched it in my story today uh, in terms of war. You know, this is, um, you know, the, the, a lot of the language being used, you know, yeah. conflict and intrusions and fights and defenses, this is language of war. Yeah. That's what we're in right now. That's the game we're in. The government knows it, and as more nation states get involved, it's only going to escalate yeah. the conflict further. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you have, um, you know, a long background covering covering security. How did you sort of get started in, in this world? Sure. Uh, well, I, I um, uh, started as a writer in college. I was a journalist in college writing for the campus paper and even in high school before then. So I always loved writing. But um, I really was more interested when I got out of college and getting a good, well-paying job that would, yeah. you know, foster my future career, whatever that might be. As luck would have it, I started in the tech industry itself. I uh, started working for National Semiconductor, doing internal communications, and then moved to a mainframe company called Amdahl Corporation in the 1980s and 90s, uh, doing similar work. And my roles just kind of gradually increased to where I was running government relations and community relations along with communications. So I came from within the industry. Okay, yeah. Uh, um, and then I, I left uh, Amdahl to uh, run um, a technology trade association for about f four to five years. 
and finally got burned out. I mean, I'd been in the industry a long time. I was tired of getting on airplanes for meetings I really didn't care about, and uh, I wanted to go back and be a journalist. So I started my own television program. It was called Tech Close-Up that ran for about six years. It was nationally syndicated on ABC, CBS, NBC, and Fox around the United States. And every once in a while, I get emails and letters from people that saw it uh, in an, either in rerun somewhere or in a different country. Oh, that's so cool. But uh, I decided to come back and, and, and cover the industry yeah. from the outside rather than be on the inside. And uh, I haven't regretted it. I've really enjoyed yeah. it since. That's great. Cool. Um, well, yeah, no, thanks a lot for all that insight, Mark. I really appreciate it. I think we definitely learned a lot from you and um, appreciate you having you on the Inside the Media Minds podcast here at RSA. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity yeah. and I've really enjoyed the conversation. Excellent. Thanks. And this has been Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.